Do you want to count down? All right, I'll count down. Okay. Five, four, three, two. Hello and welcome to Thinking Religion. I'm Thomas Whitley. And I'm Sam Harrelson. And you're not just Thomas Whitley now. I'm not just Thomas Whitley now. I am now... You have a new part of your identity. I do. I am now Dr. Thomas Whitley. That surgery was, was successful. It was. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I defended... This is... If if you're, you know, regular listeners, you're like where the show's been for what it's... I think it might have been two weeks now. Uh, so we apologize yeah, for weeks. that. Um, but my defense was just last week. Um, and, uh, so obviously that kind of took over my life, uh, for a little while, uh, leading up to that. Um, but it's behind me now, minor revisions to make on the, on the dissertation, but I successfully passed my defense. So I am Dr. Thomas Whitley now. So that's good. I guess everybody keeps saying, what, how does it feel? Does it feel different? I'm like, no, it feels exactly the same. Like nothing's changed. I don't know. I haven't changed my email signature yet. So maybe when I do that, it will revolutionize my world and it will no longer be so surreal when I can change my email signature. Yeah. Well, you know, when are you going to do that? I don't know. So I've thought about this. So, you know, people go back and forth about like what is appropriate and when it's appropriate to use which titles and the vast majority of people, you know, once you pass your defense, you're Dr. So-and-so. There are a number of people, though, that think you should not use the title until um, like you get your degree, like graduation or whatever. Um, well, that's complicated, too, because you graduate. But a lot, like at FSU, we don't get our diploma for you know, a number of weeks afterward. Um, so I haven't decided yet if I'm going to I'll probably go ahead and do it. Uh, but I've kind of thought about maybe waiting until the end of, you know, like in the semesters over when I graduate. Because I think tech, I'm, you know, I'm not sure, like, am I still technically a PhD candidate? Because I don't actually have the PhD yet, even though now I've satisfied the requirements for a PhD. Like, these, yeah. are, these yeah. are things I think that nobody tells you. So you kind of figure it out on your own. But, you know. I think you can, you can call yourself a doctor, but I don't think you can put, I, like, Thomas Whitley PhD. PhD, right, until, you right. know, in May or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, the, you know, the, the complicated social norms of titles well and i only only bring out reverend sam harrelson when uh, i'm having a facebook confrontation with someone that i don't agree with and, <laughs> right you know <laughs> oh yeah well here's the no. um no that's very cool though congratulations been a Thanks. long time it has been a long time so. <laughs> so you started your uh when did you start your graduate degree this one no oh uh, your master's uh, so I started 2007. Yeah, eight? January 2007. Uh, I started. I did two masters um, in the span of three and a half years, and then I took a year off, not by choice, <laughs> and then um, started here at FSU in fall of 2011, and I'll right. be graduating in spring of 2016. So five years, which is normal for what I do. Right, I do ancient stuff. We do a ton of religion. I mean, a ton of language stuff. Language, um, yeah, yeah, and that. It takes longer. I was on track to, I could have graduated last year, um, but I had funding for this year, didn't have a job. So I just stayed on for another year and slowed down a little bit. So, yeah, it's kind of like I, I would do that thing that Billy Madison does to the, to the little chubby kid in the movie where he grabs his cheeks and he says, Don't ever say that. Don't ever leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you don't want to get into the real world. Um, not that you're not in the 
real world but yeah but it's yeah, this, it's this odd kind of limbo right where right like i'm an adult i'm fully an adult like i pay bills and all that stuff like normal adults uh but i'm still a student you know i still don't have a career yet because i don't really have a job or anything you know what i'm saying so oh, you have a career well you, you, you know you which which might change once i get out of school and don't have a job <laughs> you're going to go into insurance it'll be great no um, <laughs> right yeah can't you imagine me as an insurance salesman <laughs> but uh, there are so many people in your position i mean n- not like thousands but you know there are lots of people who are in religious studies or or ancient civilization undergrad or uh, graduate programs and and they're kind of in that weird limbo and and you know back quote back in the day and in the good old days you know there were positions out there but that's not necessarily the case now right yeah i mean that's what and we've talked about it a number of times in the show right i mean that's uh there are larger issues in the in the field as a whole um not just in ancient but uh, you know just in religious studies in general uh, we're producing way too many phds and we have too few spots for the phds we're producing i mean it, it's it's as simple as that but you know, everybody is kind of looking out for themselves um, and not thinking about these things systemically. Um, and so they're thinking about what might be good for their department and not thinking about what might be good for the field as a whole. I mean, not everybody, but, you know, most departments are generally doing that and most institutions are doing that, which just continues to exacerbate the problem. Right, right. So on that depressing note. <laughs> well, it's we, we've talked about it a little bit, but yeah, I still think one day we should uh, have a, a deeper conversation about some of those issues because it, um, you know, both with what you all are doing on, the, I'm going to lump you into the religious studies folks because that's the yeah. people I follow on Twitter and, I, you know, I see the tweets and uh, especially this time of the year, kind of the, the anxiety of finding a position. Um, and then, you know, people like my wife who are in the ministry, um, you know, on the, on the professing side of, of religion yeah. who are in, in that same kind of, anxious, like, yeah, is there going to be a job because, you know, people aren't retiring and, you know, they're consolidating and this right. and that. So it's fascinating stuff to, to look at. But I don't know. We'll, we'll get there one day. Speaking of fascinating, did you see the, did you see the, the I mean, the Grammars? Grammys? The Grammars. I watched the Grammars last, last night. night. Man, wouldn't that be a great award show, the Grammars? Like an award yeah, show based on grammar? I've always thought we should do a the- podcast, a <laughs> podcast award show. And call it like the Mikeys or yeah. the uh, the phonies and be like headphones. Yeah, get it and it'd be phonies, and we could give it to like serial for <laughs> for best original <laughs> podcast. Yeah, congratulations, you won a phony. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a double entendre. Uh, I did watch yeah. the I did watch the Grammys last night. Um, I do not typically watch award shows. Um, I wanted to see a few of the performances. Um, many of them were letdowns. Uh, Kendrick Lamar's obviously was not. I mean, by far the without question, best performance of the night. Um, yeah, it was good. I thought Adele was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Adele had some issues, and that happened, and we hate it for her. But we all still know that Adele is light years ahead of the rest of us. So, I was disappointed by. I'm, I'm a David Bowie fan. Uh, yeah. I was disappointed by uh, Lady Gaga's treatment of his uva. You know, I thought uh, yeah, it it was busy. A little bit in, yeah. They were trying to get too many things in. Um, the Lionel Richie tribute too was 
I don't know. Like they should just let John Legend do the whole thing. Right. Or like John Legend and Tyrese. Um, oh, was that who was that who else was? Yeah. There with? Like Megan yeah. Trainer. Yeah. And then um, how did she win best new artist? Hasn't she been around been around for like years? Well, that's the crazy thing about Grammy voting, right? Is they set a um, like a window that's like sometime in late 2014 to sometime in 2015 is the window for like the 2016 Grammys. And so if you release something in the end of 2014, you could potentially win for that at the 2016 Grammys. It is, it's like Bon Iver won Best New Artist for his, you know, his second album. It's like Bon Iver's been around for a while. Like a lot of us have been Bon Iver fans. Um, yeah, so the whole Grammy voting is messed up. But yeah, so Megan Trainer and then um, who else? So that country guy. I don't know who that was. Um, uh, yeah, the guy with the deep voice. Everybody loves him. I don't know. I guess he's attractive, but that's what <laughs> this is. What I was told that like the girls. He's not your him. type. Not my type. No, not at all. But um, yeah. So it was a lot of it fell flat. Uh, oh, you know what else was amazing was Hamilton. Did you like it? I liked. Yes, I liked it. I thought. I thought it was really good. I thought it was fantastic. I've I've been wanting to see the show. Obviously, have not had a chance to get up to New York and do it yet. And I can't imagine what the tickets cost to be at Hamilton last night during the Grammys. Like, yeah, it'd be, cool. be insane. Uh, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I. I, it's, I mean, it looks like a fantastic show. I've, I mean, I've heard wonderful things by my friends up north who who have gone to see it. And uh, yeah, evidently, you have to get your tickets far in advance if, if you don't look into something and uh, they're pretty steep. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting to see like the Book of Mormon and and, and that, you know, these kind of historical right. <laughs> narratives that uh, become uh, Broadway plays. But so I, I was working at my desk. I, we subscribed to cable. I don't feel bad about admitting this, but I was working at my desk over on the other side of the room. So I had like a little live stream up and we just canceled our CBS anywhere or every, whatever their streaming plan is. Yeah, but we do have all access. Cable. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm watching the little live stream and the live stream was filled with like 30,000 people who were also doing the same thing. And there was a chat function. So it's going by, you know, insanely fast. But um, people did not get the Hamilton thing in, in the chat room I was watching. And uh People are like, you know, what? what is this? And I think they were there for other artists, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Having, having... Kind of like how people didn't get Beyonce at the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, her Illuminati signs did kill Anton Scalia. So. <laughs> right. Right. With the help of Barack Obama. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy couple of weeks here. You, you got that. Um, you got your, your PhD or you got your your, your doctorate uh, formally. Um we had we had the Grammys. We had uh, a big debate, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And you got a box in the mail, right? I did. I got a box in the mail. I'm excited about this, and uh, I've not opened it yet. We saved it for the show. I mean, this is right. this is big. I just got it right before we started recording. How large is the box? Okay, so the box is. Should we tell them who it's from yet, or wait on that? Let Let's see if they guess. Okay, yeah, regular <laughs> listeners probably already know. Like, oh, we know who it's from. Yeah, she loved them. Uh, so, um, twelve by nine by two. That is the size of a, a, this is ground mod box. Typically it is. So, so here's what it is. It's from, this is ground. Um, the boxes and they occasionally on a kind of a a rare occasion, they do a sample box. 
right? And they'll say, hey, we have these products and it might've been used in a shoot, might've been something we tried out, we ended up not using or whatever. Uh, none of it's like used, like hasn't been sold and returned or anything. Um, and give us a hundred dollars. You get, you're guaranteed to get at least $200 worth of um, product in the box, but you don't know what it is. Could be up to $500 worth of product. And one in five boxes contains like a mod or a tech dop kit or something like that. Um, so I got the box 12 by nine by two. I haven't opened it yet. So, you know, it's kind of this mystery. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, All right. Why not? This is thrilling radio. This is, I know. Yeah. There, I mean, there are whole shows that do this for three hours at a time, right? Do they, uh, do they unbox? things on yeah. on the air yeah exactly um in case somebody's wondering i'm using my uh sog sogzilla knife <laughs> sam did not think that i had a good knife i did not and i bought you one for for the holidays and it turns out you did so yeah, i kept it. it so we kept it so good for him <laughs> okay and i use it every day i love it so my so my person right now all right um so some paper on the top open it up and it is does not look like a mod. There's a number of things in here. A number of things. How many cord tacos are there? There are, I can see right away, five cord tacos. Okay, well, that's not too bad. Not bad. No, I mean, that's like, you don't want a box of $200 worth of cord tacos. But I am a big <laughs> fan a, of cord tacos. a lot and, of cord tacos. And they make great little gifts to give to people. So the cord tacos, there's, so three of them are uh, orange. A, a nice orange color, but they also put in two of these that I like, and they're they're um they're like a compass, like you know you're using for in school or whatever, like a map, like a math tool compass is the design on them. Oh, okay, is, is that what it's called? Would it be a compass? Yeah, yeah, a compass. Uh, you know, yeah. three hundred and sixty degrees on it. Yeah. So there's I, two I of those. Right. Yeah, two of those are they're white with you know uh, black lettering and everything on them. Um, let's see this piece i'm not sure what it is it's gold so it probably means is it bro gold um I, no it's <laughs> not that, gold. no it's just like gold gold uh it looks like a it's a sleeve it's it's a sleeve of some sort it has a snap at the top and it would look similar to like what you might slide a pair of glasses in but it looks a little tall for that is it a like a phone size, like an like an iPhone or or no, all Android or something? No, it's because it's skinnier and taller than that than it should be. So I'm not sure what on. I need to look see if they actually have anything like this on their on their website. Yeah, I'm looking at the website now. So it, it's like a it's like a sleeve. It's like a sleeve, and it's angled at the top, kind of curved and angled at the top where the snap is. Is it the Metro Slim Wallet too? No, it's not a wall. It's just a. It's just a sleeve. It has a snap at the top, and you would slide something directly down into it from the top. Huh. And that's it. Yeah, I don't see anything in there. So it might I... be a product they tested out. I mean, they do occasionally do this, right? A product that they tested out and decided not to use. Yep. Um. I can maybe understand why on the design of this, and it's gold, so probably someone else will someone else will get that one. Um. I'm I'm excited about this. There are two coasters, two leather coasters that have um like a grizzly bear imprints on the top side of them. Uh, hmm. Nice, nice, thick, nice, thick leather coasters. I'm excited about those. Um, all right, let's, let's see what this one is. You know what this is? This is a, looks like a bandito roll. Yeah. That they included in here. Dark brown. 
um, yeah. leather, little zipper pocket at the bottom, right? Zips up has sections for is that's the is that the bandita has sections for maybe four items, cords or pins or something like that. Yeah, it's either a bandito or a cordito. So like the bandito one has thinner little places to put things, and I think there are one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, there are eight slots in a bandito, and a cordito has wider slots, and those are for cords. Okay, then this is a cordito because it has the okay. slots are wider, and there are four of them. Little zipper pocket pouch at the end. It will roll up, and then has a snap for when it's all yep. rolled up together. Yeah, it's cordito, which is basically what I use my bandito for. Right, for <laughs> so, cords anyway. Yeah, so yeah, that's nice. Right. Okay, cordito there. Um, let's see what this is. Oh, this is a this is a, a mod insert. So now you would have oh, to wow. you would have to have a mod. But I would imagine the people that are buying uh, this is ground sample box might have a mod. That would probably be a safe bet to make. Um, you know, I'm not sure which one this is. On the front, it has a clear plastic section. Hmm. And then with one snap on it, on the back, it has um, one section that looks like you, you can put something in. Um, you could stick a pin down in it, but maybe a USB um drive or something two slots clearly designed for like pins a slot that looks like it's designed for some cards and another slot that you could put it's larger um so i'm not sure if you would put a pin in there or something something a little bit bigger it, it reminds me on the back end side of like their maker insert but it's not what that i know it's not that yeah i was gonna say maker but and then it has one another little thing that um it's a keychain it looks like that kind of snaps on and off of it so you can snap it on and then i guess you could snap it off to take your keys with you i think you have a, another experimental product i don't I see this so. on the site i think so too so uh dark brown which is a different color than my mod but i might try it out see see how i like that yeah um and those are normally what like 100 bucks uh, yeah normally the inserts are 95 bucks yeah yeah, so yeah, maybe we should be keeping track of this too. What the what the value is and in, in what I got. Yeah, yeah. Um, this next thing is is really nice. Uh, it's their uh, it's a pencil case. Is what it is. Is it, it, did they call it a pencil case? I mean, that's what it it zips up and and it's a it looks just like a pencil case. Um, I've seen this before. I'm maybe to... maybe an inch and a half or two inches tall. And you know how I can tell exactly how tall it is. It has a, a, a small metal ruler inside of it. Really nice, yeah. high quality, small metal stainless steel ruler. It is about two inches tall. And this, this reminds me, I carry one almost exactly like this, a little bit thinner in my mod uh, that was my grandfather's. My grandfather was, uh, was an engineer in the army and then for Square D um, later. And, it, and it's a really similar, uh, nice on one side, it has inches and centimeters. Uh, or actually, this one has inches and centimeters on both sides. Now, my grandfather's ruler goes down to 30 seconds um, on one side, I believe. Uh, yeah, I'm so, trying to find. I, I've seen this before. So it's got a little you know, slot for the, for the ruler. Uh, the ruler's in a slot. A couple other slots, maybe three like that. Another slot at the, at the top end going the other direction for something very small. Maybe you could clip something on there. And then you would zip it all up. So it, it looks like a, a, a pencil pouch, but that lays um, like completely flat open if you wanted it to and has inserts to put put pens or pencils. 
and a ruler, huh. obviously. I like I like this. It's a it's a um and it's a light color um it's not quite a suede, but it but it it almost is a suede. It's it's not the same uh feel or fabric or you know, the same material as their so maybe it is a suede. It's not the same material as their mods normally are with kind of the traditional uh, smooth leather. Right. So you, you, you uh, see yourself using this. I probably will use this. I, I like this. I'd been thinking um, about a pencil case type thing to drop down in my bag. Uh, so I probably will use that one. And um, I guess fittingly, there are some pencils in here. Um, I heart my cord tacos. They all say on them. Uh, lead pencils <laughs> to be sharp. Oh, like, okay. Uh, I guess maybe in the pencil case that they, that they sent. Uh, let's see. It looks like there are two more products in here. And if I'm not missing anything, it doesn't look like I am. So with the the final two products here, and so they've cleaned up their website a little bit in terms of the products that they have listed. Noticed. So yeah, right. like they have all the new stuff. So the the first product um, looks like a clutch, like a like a a kind of a purse type clutch if that makes sense um brown leather kind of medium medium color uh doesn't have a snap on it it has a um i'm, I'm not sure what you call it there's something that's riveted in and it's a little post that sticks up and there's a hole in the top flap that that pops over that post huh i don't i've never seen one of those either um you know, it might, uh, it looks maybe just a touch too small to hold like an iPad mini. Maybe I should pull my iPad mini out and test it. Oh, wow. It so it's a, that big. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty large. It, it's pretty large. Yeah. Um, now the design on it, you know, they do different designs sometimes instead of just plain. And this one has, um, honestly, ants all over it. Ants. Huh. Ants, which is an odd design choice. So maybe, again, might be a reason they didn't go with this, right? They're, you know, maybe, maybe they tried this before they went, you know, got free gums to can to come together on some stuff, right? So that's that. But a little pouch. But I could see that being uh, useful. I mean, the the shape of it and everything. And then the last device, the last product here, not device, is a um. Well, which one is this? This is it's similar to the Cordito, but it has a snap pouch at the bottom. And it has two, I've seen this one before. I can't remember which one it is. It has uh, two straps to close yeah, it. I'm, I'm looking at that right now. And yeah. the same way with the little post where the, the leather, you know, just uh, goes over the post and not a, not a snap that that's riveted in, but like a little post. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a different Cordita, but it's, so you've got both of those. Cause one is like the, uh, the Supreme roll up and it's like 70 bucks. And the other one is the cord and plug roll up i think which is okay. 50 bucks oh, now now this compared to the other one let's let's put them beside each other is not as long when they're rolled out and um i guess the pockets are about the same size the other one had the zipper this has a snap pocket but this one has their design on it which i like they do sometimes it has like the letters and the little bicycles on it kind of stamp. oh yeah in, you right. know, in, in lines on it. This one has that design on it, kind of a nice, a nice medium color brown as well. Wow! Uh, and that's it. That's what's that's what's in the box here. 
All right. Do you feel like you got your two hundred to five hundred dollars of value? Uh, I think so. Um, now I probably will not end up using all of this. You know, give some to some people and you know share the love. But it was like you know hundred bucks. Check it out and see. Um, but and, some and, of it, uh, you know, some of it I definitely will. These rolls obviously are really nice. I really like the, the rolls are great. Yeah. yeah, that was the first thing I ever bought was the Bandito roll, and right. I still use that regularly. And I, I found a, pen, a picture of the pencil roll. Um, it's on the mystery box. The yeah, this box. is not a pencil right. roll. This is a okay. pencil case with a zip on it. Huh. Still can't so, find that. So another, maybe another design that didn't didn't make it, you know, into production, or that they're still testing out, or something. I'm not sure. Um, because I, you know, I, that reminds me now. Because actually, I bought Trinity a pencil case, a zippered pencil case, uh, as one of her Christmas presents that she wanted and or that I thought she'd like and um, had considered buying the roll. <laughs> That's how it, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. But I'd considered buying the, this is ground pencil roll, but didn't think, you know, cause in there you can only get 10 pencils or something and not a ton. Um, and the case I ended up getting her a little bit larger, maybe than the one that I've received, but she can fit 20 or 30 pencils in there. Yeah. Um, you know, the coloring is big now and everything. So yeah, but this is a, this is a case that zips up completely that I, it looks like you can, and maybe it's not designed for pencils since they did include a ruler in here. Maybe they're thinking of it more as like an instrument case. Well, it's so it's interesting to me. Their core tacos, for instance, they sell those for like 29 bucks, right? So for our uh, family secret Santa thing, we had a, I think it was $30 limit. So I thought, sweet, I'll get, you know, some, the person who I pulled, I'll, I'll get them a pack of the core tacos thinking it was going to be like, you know, 20, 25 bucks. And then it was 30 bucks. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wow, that's, that's expensive for five of those. Um, and they sell them individu individually for like 12 to $20, depending on which one you get. So when I got my riff, I got the football one because it was Super Bowl weekend. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, people can can collect those. Like they have a, a David Bowie edition, which I really want, but yeah. That's that's a twelve dollar thing, um, so it's interesting to see all the new varieties they have of those on their side. And we're not we're we're not getting paid by this as ground. <laughs> we just oh no no, their no. Stuff. yeah we just... <laughs> should have said that at the beginning I reckon yeah um, but they're, you know it's great for academics or or for people uh, you know in school or or in the office um, I use mine my riff all the time for uh, meetings and that kind of thing so well good yeah what's yeah, up? So, sounds like so, you got you know, your value worth. Take a couple of weeks to to decide what I'm gonna uh, end up using, what I'm gonna end up passing along. But um, but yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I think half the fun with this is seeing what the products are, and apparently seeing some products that they made and decided not to use. Some of them you can tell why. Some of them I don't like this this little case. I'm telling you, this zip up case is probably the best thing. I mean, besides the rolls, the rolls are great, but I know the rolls. So, but you know, with a product that I wasn't familiar with theirs already this little zip up what i'm calling a pencil case um might be the the next best thing that they that they sent in this box so wow yeah no i don't i don't remember seeing that in all of their stuff need to check their instagram um account so so that's uh yeah so that's my exciting things um so if you have a box of random stuff you want to send us and have us open it on the show, <laughs> we will be more than happy to do that. You can uh, yes, contact and, and us. You are interested in This Is Ground stuff. We have a link down at the bottom. Um, we don't necessarily profit from it, but Thomas does get fun things every now and then. 
if you buy stuff. So uh, if, if you need a new like cool notebook or like I said, I have the riff, which fits uh, my field notes notebook and a pen and my headphones and my iPhone six plus um, I actually bought my wife one because she really liked it as well. So now we have matching clutches and or purses and or wallets. Yeah, um, it's very cute when, when when we go out to the grocery store. Uh, but um, they, they make great stuff. Big fan. So go check them out. Link down in the show notes and you'll be helping the show. So, you know, it's, it's a win win for everyone. I'm thinking this thing's got to be a glasses sleeve. Like sunglasses, sleeve, glasses, sleeve, something it's like a, that. Yeah, that's, that's what I was room. thinking. That's what it's got to be. Um, yeah. You just said it's too small for a phone. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely not. Um, well, let me see. Let me actually, I, I guess I should try to put my phone in it first. Um, or like an iPhone 4S. Okay, so my, my 6 Plus, <laughs> I can slide it down in it. Um, and let's see if I get all the way to the bottom. If I get all the way... You know, I mean, I don't think this is maybe what it's designed for, but if you get it, my six plus all the way down to the bottom, it just barely snaps above it. But why would you do that? It's like, then it's, I guess it's a little case, but it's like kind of angled at the top. It, it just reminds me more of like a, maybe a glasses case or, or something like that. Huh. And it's so, not the stash and it's not the leatherback rider. No, no I'll send I'll send you pictures later. So. I like the leatherback rider too, but the ground kind of makes it. I mean, the riff kind of makes it a. You don't really need it, yeah, because you can throw a notebook there in the riff. Well, I like the riff because you can zip it, and the, right. the leatherback rider it's a snap. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, good. all right. So that was that. So hopefully you're still with us. Um, we'll see you next week, now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you uh, if you if you've listened to us this long, um, this many shows, then you know, kind of how we how we roll so uh so yeah big day you know big day here at the uh at the whitley household you know new products coming in and getting to check them out so we'll test them out for a couple of weeks and then maybe maybe give you a, a, re, a you know report back and see how we like some of the products that we're not already familiar with or if um uh, you want to do a giveaway we could we could uh break all we the itunes rules and do a giveaway we could do unsolicited. That. You won't. You won't have to share anything on Facebook. You're not going to have to retweet anything. No, we. Yeah, we should do that. Particularly for the pieces that I'm like. Yeah, I'm pretty confident. I'm not going to use yeah. like this. <laughs> now, because now nobody wants the gold glasses case, right? <laughs> but because <laughs> I've, I've crapped on it so much. You're, you're like giving away that one hit of smack. You know, it's, it's like That's it's true. like the entrance into a bigger world. That's true. That's true. <laughs> God, I guess. Yeah. How about this picture of Taylor Swift? Can we put this in the show notes or is that or on the on the show page? <laughs> I don't know. Can we? It's um, I mean, it's just a Grammy picture, but it is slightly provocative, right? She's holding new hardware. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, oh, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll come up with uh, what we want to be, you know, how we want to do it. We'll do a giveaway. Yeah, I like it. Good. Yeah. All right. So what, what else is going on? What, what else do you want to cover? It's been a while. It has been a while. We, you we know, got Scalia. We got to talk about him. We got to talk about uh, the debate. I know you didn't watch it, but we can talk about the. Uh, I've seen a lot of recaps and read a lot about it. Yeah, and we can talk about the aftermath. And we got to talk about South Carolina because that's coming up on Saturday. And Nevada. Yes. Um, but and of course, Nevada. you live in South Carolina. I used to live in South Carolina, so that's a you know, care a little bit more about that. Um, let's let's talk about Scalia first. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, this was shocking, right? I mean, uh, you know, sudden, you know, sudden death. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not one ever. I, I, yeah, I just don't ever celebrate death. I remember when we, you know, when the United States killed bin Laden and everyone that was celebrating and I thought this maybe isn't how we should be reacting. Like maybe we think our country's safer now and we're excited about that. But um, I was always really uncomfortable with the line that Obama continued to use, right, was um, GM is alive and bin Laden is dead. Um, that really bothered me. So I, I have no desire at all to celebrate uh, Scalia's death. Um, his his wife and his nine children are going to be uh, reeling from this for quite some time. Uh, but as the political world is, I don't know that even in you know an hour passed before the news broke, uh, before there was political jockeying about who or who would replace him or when a replacement should be nominated. Um, and that's to be expected, but also a little disappointing, right? I mean, I think anyway. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, the family is still grie- grieving. He's not in the ground yet. And we're, you know, doing little political posturing about it. Um, it. It's been enlightening to read some of the the commentary that's come out from people who were on the opposite side of the political spectrum from what it seemed like most of his viewpoints were. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, people who've been involved in politics for a long time and, and uh, even people like Stephen Colbert, you know, who, who just kind of had glancing interactions with them. But, you know, he he said some things that lots of people didn't like and he said things that lots of people liked and he pretty much held to his views. <laughs> so yeah. except the cremation thing, like he, he didn't want to be cremated. I, I didn't realize he was going to be cremated. Um I thought you know, that's what very, his, I thought that that's what his wishes were was to be cremated. But he was very anti-Vatican II, and wasn't it Vatican II that allowed for Catholics to be cremated? Ah, oh, formally, maybe. So maybe. I was like, well, yeah. why is he getting cremated? Because you know that was one of his things was he wasn't a big fan of Vatican II. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe you know his like like all of us his views evolve over time, but I do want to say, um, you know, he was he was kind of a larger than life guy anyway yeah, yeah um and you know people i've read a lot of disparaging things and like daily costs and and yeah. some of the liberal media and it's really kind of sickening to see people say well like yeah he's a big fat white guy so of course he's going to die when he's 79 years old um but if, if i had to choose a way to die like going out on a hunting <laughs> trip yeah. with my friends in the middle of texas at this time of the year and having some wine and a cigar, then going to bed—not a bad way to go, right? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, you know, and evidently his health had, had been failing here the last couple of weeks, and his doctors were aware of some of the issues he was having. Um, you know, but with my thirty-seven-year-old self, I'm thinking, man, if I can make it to seventy-nine and you right know, have one tenth of the life he lived, then <laughs> I'll consider that a success. So, anyway, I just want to say all that before we hop into it, but. The Republicans are going to hang themselves on a cross of gold here if they uh, if they really try to throw themselves in the in the path of of obfuscating the the process. I think it's just it's so another sign that the party's out of control. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they've got to get the reins there. So, so a couple of things, right? One, yes, Democrats 
have done a similar type thing in the past. Um, it's not well, unprecedented. Well, sort of. They, they right. didn't say. Okay. Similar, right? Not the exact same thing. Well, they, they, they basically said Eisenhower could not appoint recess appointments, right. which, you know, Obama could do. But because of parliamentary procedure, but then they would all be reversed because we're technically in a recess right now. Um, so, yeah, you know, he sure. But Eisenhower was evidently there was some threats, you know, further down with uh, district ju district judges and appellate uh, judges to have some recess appointments that um, the incoming administration did not want to have to deal with. So, yes, that happened. But it was not you can't nominate a Supreme Court justice. Right. Right. So so we'll, we'll lay out quickly kind of what's um, the lines that have been drawn and then what the potential moves forward are. OK, um, so first, I mean, basically immediately right on Saturday, you had um, Democrats exuberant that Obama was going to be able to um, nominate and hopefully appoint a third Supreme Court justice during his presidency. And you had conservatives almost immediately saying the people need a voice in this. And so there should be no nomination until after the election. And so everybody's hung up on, you know, let's look at historically the number of days before an election, um, you know, Supreme Court justices have been nominated and taken up in the Senate and all of that stuff. Um, re Republicans are saying there's no precedent for, you know, electing a Supreme Court justice in the final year of her presidency. Uh, there is some, it's obviously, as you would imagine, very, very rare um, that this is even a question anyway. Uh, and it has happened, you know, a number of times. Um, but so, so there's a couple ways forward as I see them, right? One is Obama nominate, Obama's going to nominate someone right now. Right. I mean, in the next few weeks, it, it, the Constitution says that the president shall nominate someone. I mean, we, you know, language does have some semblance of meaning and, and the meaning that has been cobbled together around the word shall uh, does not give you wiggle room, does not say that you can if you want to or if it's not in an election year that you may, uh, but that you shall. So it is, you know, as as you would think that people who try to read the Constitution uh, in an originalist sense, like, say, Scalia, um, they would read it and say it's his constitutional duty to nominate someone. Now, this has to happen um, in conjunction with the Senate because the Senate then has to take it up, um, take up the nomination. So Obama has said that he will nominate someone and, and, and he will. And so there's a couple ways forward, right? He could either nominate a um, fairly liberal justice that has no chance of getting through, or he could try to nom nominate a moderate justice uh, that does have a chance of getting through. I'm inclined to think he's going to do the latter. There are other options, but if we just go with this kind of initial scenario of, of who he nominates in the next couple of weeks, I'm inclined to think that Obama goes, um, ha as, as he has in the past, right, um, to some degree, nominating someone that is, at least on paper, a little bit more centrist and that has not a very long history that their kind of ideology can be ferreted out very easily. Maybe. I, I, like you said, I think it depends on how, how long it goes. Um, but even today, we're, I mean, we're seeing some signs that 
at least Republican senators are willing to deal. Um, and if they do that, I could see, you know, someone kind of quote centrist being appointed or, or nominated. Um, I still think it's going to be a fight if people like Ted Cruz or, or Rubio are in the presidential race uh, as we go ahead. And, you know, if Obama makes a nomination here in the next six to nine weeks and the Republican race isn't figured out yet, I still think it's going to be kind of bloody until that gets nailed down. Um, yeah, it's going to it's it, yeah, I it's going to be a fight. I mean, I, that's that's pretty obvious. Um you know, I mean, there is there are a lot of other issues tied up in this, right? The idea that the American people should have a say is one kind of laughable because that's not what the Constitution says. Uh, and two, you would also think that may hey maybe they already had a say in the 2012 elections and the 2014 midterms, right? That kept a you know Republican majority in the Senate. So um, the you know the idea that like. Obama's just shouldn't be president anymore or ex- exercise any presidential powers in the last year of his presidency is just laughable. Um, but, and, and I tend to think, I mean, I view Obama fairly, you know, pretty much as a centrist anyway. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, so it will not surprise me to see him nominate someone who is, you know, moderate or centrist. Right? He's not going to, I guess there's a chance he could nominate like Loretta Lynch or someone like that, though I doubt that that would be um, seen as more of a kind of, I don't know, like a kind of political gamesmanship. You know, people want him to nominate Elizabeth Warren or something like that. Um, And I I don't know. I mean, I I just don't see him doing any. He's, you know, the other thing to think about is he's thinking about his legacy here as well. He's not thinking about just scoring political points this year or next year. Right. Right. And, and, you know, every president does that. Every right. politician does that. And so, so the, so there's that option. He, he nominates someone in the next few weeks. Um, and I'm inclined to think that it's going to be someone that's fairly centrist or moderate. Um, if this person like is blocked or voted down or doesn't even get to get out of, you know, taken up in committee or get out of committee, um, as we've heard various people say at various times, um, then, you know, the Republicans here are kind of gambling, right? So there's a way in which you could see the Republicans actually getting a uh, nominee that they like better under Obama than potentially losing the White House, losing the Senate, and getting a very clearly, you know, liberal justice. Right, right. And and that's some of the comparisons I've seen to um, what happened with LBJ in 68 right, right when uh snake from was was up for the chief justice and uh anyway it was pretty pretty bloody fight and ended up you know sort of helping out you know the quote liberals uh and going into the 70s and i don't know I, I think the lack of of not political gamesmanship but long-term thinking you know, where you have someone like Ronald Reagan and someone like Tip O'Neill who are on opposite sides of the aisle, but they can say, look, you know, I know you're going to do this. We're going to do this. Uh, let's find a way to work this out in the middle or realize I'm going to do do this now because I need political points and you can do this later, but I'm not going to be around. So that's OK. <laughs> right? right. And that's, you know, traditionally Washington works slowly and it works deliberately, deliberately, because that's how it was set up to work. 
Right. And in the age of social media and Twitter and everything's got to be breaking news, fast paced, um, you know, we can throw out things just, you know, like like firebombs and, into social media and then they go away after oh, a day or two. Um, it just feels like, uh, you know, we're coming to this head of, of having to figure out what type of approach we're going to have to this process. Yeah. And there is there is another option that is. Um, probably not going to happen, but there is the option that Obama makes a uh, recess appointment, um, or that that Obama makes an appointment. Say, either way, like say say oh, Democrats lose the White House, say a Republican wins the White House, but Democrats happen to gain control of the Senate. The Senate takes the Senate actually is seated on January 3rd and Obama doesn't go out of office until 17 days later, like the 20th. So there's a chance that during that 17 day period that while he's still in office at that point, he actually would be a lame duck president, unlike what everybody has been saying he is currently now and has been saying for months or that's that's not how it works. Um, But during that that lame duck period, if he had a Democratic majority in the Senate, there is some talk that maybe they could uh, go back, rechange. So they've already changed the rules for filibusters on judicial nominees, but exempted Supreme Court nominees. So there's a there's some talk that maybe they could go and change the rules uh, on that as well, so that you cannot filibuster Supreme Court nominees, and that you only need a simple majority to approve that. That they could get the rules changed, get a nominee in, and get it uh, get that person approved and appointed in that 17 day time period. Very right. unlikely, but you know, there, there are the, um, you know, there's the possibility that something like that could happen as well. And in that, yeah. that's not even a recess appointment that would be in there just as a seat warmer for two years that would later then have to be confirmed, right? That would be a full confirmation if it happened. It- and I mean, like heads would explode, right? I right, mean, exactly. Would I mean, be, that's, that's the thing. They you would, know, I, yeah, there, there might be outright rebellion if that happened, <laughs> right? Everybody already thinks, on who gets elected, right? Yeah, especially right. if, it, especially if Hillary, you know, wins the election. When um, I, I imagine that if it's at that point and, and a Democrat wins the election, then Obama doesn't do anything during mm-hmm. that. But, but I think the scenario is, um, under. You know, Republicans coming into the White House, but Democrats gaining control of the Senate. Um, but I mean, I, I think Obama's going to nominate someone in the next few weeks and um, going to use whatever political capital he has, which honestly is not very much at this point, um, to push it through. But the other thing is that if the Republicans, like you're saying, continue to be, you know, to obstruct this and to just say we're not even going to bring a person up for a vote or anything like that, then um, this this could be just another thing that helps turn out Democrats. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, the dangerous thing. I think the Republicans are doing is they're, they're trying to get their base to turn out um, or the right parts of their base, you know, who, who right. understand, you know, the implications of a Supreme court seat, especially, you know, Scalia's, um, you know, they're trying to get that working in their favor during this process. But at the same time, what if Donald Trump is, you know, gets the nomination? Do you do you want to play that game as a Republican? And the, you know, how... the Republicans might call Obama and say, "All right, yeah, all right, let's let's get together, let's pick somebody." <laughs> yeah, let let's deal. Yeah, um, yeah, because good lord, 
uh, especially for Scalia's seat. Um, I don't know. I, I think that coupled with just the perception of who Scalia was, because already you see people like Ted Cruz sort of inventing uh, this narrative about Scalia's importance in terms of things like um, religious liberty and the Second Amendment. And, you know, certainly Scalia had had some impact on those things. But, you know, his death doesn't mean that all of a sudden the government's going to take over every church and they're going to go into our homes and take our guns away. Um, right. But you, you get that sort of fear narrative already. Um, and it's it's going to be kind of this, I think, two front uh, situation where you have the senators and, and Obama working on this. And then you have people like Trump and Cruz who are just going to be throwing fireballs, uh, you know, at the process and and calling the senators weak for dealing with Obama and trying to rally, you know, whatever that that side of, of the Republican electorate is to, um, you know, to call their senators and tell them not to not to make a deal. Speaking yeah. of throwing fireballs, <laughs> Cruz just came out against gluten free MREs in a speech here in Columbia. <laughs> Just, you know, oh. the big issues, Thomas, the big issues yeah, and, and women issues. and military. You know, the, what, what did he just say? The era of social experimenting with our military is over. So women being drafted is a social experiment. Social evidently. experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good. Good. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that. Right. I did see that come through too. the uh, him coming out against gluten free MREs. Um, <laughs> but, you know, thinking about fireballs, right? I mean, I think like we had the. We had the debate on Saturday and um, then we have this coming Saturday, uh, the Nevada Democratic Caucus, the South Carolina Republic or yeah, South Carolina Republican Caucus as well on uh, this coming Saturday. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been, you know, as far as all that's concerned, it's been kind of a crazy week, too. Right. I mean, there was there was discussion about whether George W. Bush should have been impeached. <laughs> right. right. So at the, at the debate on Saturday uh, right. in Greenville, just up the road from here. Um, yeah, uh, we all knew George W. Bush was going to be coming in to campaign for Jeb Bush. And he did that last night uh, for the first time on Monday night down in Charleston. And it was a good speech. Both you and I watched it. I, yeah. I mean, I'm not a George W. Bush fan, but, um, you know, he, he kind of warmed up to warmed up to it. I think he, he started off rough. He was reading from his notes and then he got back into campaign mode and he's, he's popular here. And yeah, uh, you know, they're just up the street from the Citadel and he was throwing out lots of memories of, you know, the Citadel and Charleston and that kind of thing. And we people in South Carolina like to hear that. So, um, I think it went well for him, but Trump, of course, knowing that George W is coming in, I, I think Trump rightly sees Jeb. It's still his biggest competition. Um, I'll say it again. I don't think Cruz is going to come near the nomination. Uh, I think Rubio is faltered to the point of not being kind of seen as the steady centrist, uh, you know, kind of establishment candidate that the establishment wants or the people with the money. Uh, yeah. So I think that, you know, we're going to coalesce around Bush, honestly. Uh, and that's why Trump has been hammering Bush you know, since the beginning. Him. Exactly. Right. right. And I, now he's, I, I think that's, I think that's, that's a, a really good observation that a lot of people are missing is like Trump 
there's a reason that he continues to hammer Bush and has since yeah. day and one. He knows. Right. Even with right. his lowest he is in the poll, right? He's at seven percent right now in South Carolina. I mean, there's a reason that Trump continues to hammer him. He knows he's his biggest rival. Yep, exactly. So, uh, you know, and I, I think that's going to come out in South Carolina. And I think Bush is going to escape, you know, with a nice third place finish. Uh, Trump will win. Cruz will finish second because there are so many upstate Republicans. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and and the upstate here in South Carolina really is kind of this Calvinistic uh, megachurch type Republican presence. Right. So we talk about the evang- evangelical voters in Iowa or Missouri or Kansas or Indiana, you know, those types of places. It's a different type here. Um, it's not that sort of Midwest evangelical. It, it really is a different right. strain. Um, and I don't mean to say like like a virus, but you know, it's, it's a different group. Uh, so uh, we also have a lot of, of people who come into the upstate uh, to work at places like Michelin or to work at BMW uh, as executives who typically aren't from South Carolina. So you get kind of this younger uh, Caucasian uh, Calvinistic kind of foothold there. And a lot of the money, especially on the Republican Party side, not not as much on the Democrat side, is based around Greenville, Spartanburg, Greer, that that sort of tri-city area up in the the pie corner of South Carolina. And I think that is is really going to move the table. So when it comes to Trump and, and Cruz, I, I mean, those are the two, you know, quote, uh, kind of conservative candidates. Someone like Rubio or Bush is going to pull well down in Charleston or, or uh, over in Horry County and Pauley's Island and those areas, which are you know also good, but there's not nearly enough base uh, there to show up right. for a primary to get them up into that Trump Cruz range. Um, whereas something like New Hampshire, everything is so based on the turnout in two or three cities, and and here you know we, we've got our two or three main cities, but the the spread in those regions of upstate lower state um here what we call the midlands uh is very different in terms of geography and and politics and demographics and that kind of thing so um you know i I think trump came out saturday night and really hammered bush again uh but yeah things like calling george w bush a he didn't i don't think he said he was a war criminal but he said uh he didn't know if he was but he definitely lied to us about going into iraq and you know I'm not saying he should be impeached, but, you know, it's just sort of raising that. Right. Right. That well, which, he, which he does so well. Right. Kind of master of uh, insinuation. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I Trump did was Trump. I thought Bush did well. I thought Bush held himself uh, for, for people who wanted to see the establishment candidate not trip over himself like Rubio did in New Hampshire. Uh, I think you know, it was Bush's time to, to not stumble and, well, and Bush me, didn't stumble. Let me ask you this too. There have been reports that it was, that the audience was kind of um, handpicked, right? By, by party, South Carolina party people. So establishment type people that it was, that it was in, somewhat intentionally, maybe a pro Bush anti-Trump crowd. What have you been hearing about that? The, 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 there's some of that. I mean, that's, that's definitely true. Um, the whole crowd was not by far. And it wasn't a majority. And and the, if you watch the debate, lots of people boo <laughs> at uh, at Trump when he talks about President right, Bush. Yeah, yeah um, well, yeah. And the same thing happened happened in New Hampshire. Remember, and and Bush and uh, Trump said, "Well, you know, I, they're not telling you this, but this crowd, this crowd here, is full of Republican donors." 
Um, right. I think that's his new, let me just throw this Molotov cocktail into the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, because how are they going to disprove that? You know, what are you going to say? Um, no, from from what I understand, it was there. Of course, there were operatives there. There always are. Uh, remember the people cheering for Fiorina every time she said something at the previous <laughs> debates and yeah. there are like five people there. But you can be really loud if you want to be really loud and everyone else is being really quiet. Uh, so it's the same thing that that Trump does at his rallies when he has. I'm not saying he always has someone planted that, you know, is wearing a, you know, a hijab or something, but, you know, he, he wants to get the crowd there into it. So he talks about those cameras at the back of the room and those cameras aren't going to move. They're not going to show how many people are here. And I'm guessing the cameramen have like pretty detailed instructions saying, if you move this camera, you will not get paid. Yeah. Um, and, and the same thing here with, with saying, oh, there's all these Republican donors and those are the mainstream Republicans and we need to fight against those. It's it's very effective, but I don't know how much is actually rhetoric and how much is truth. But I I do know it was a, it wasn't just uh, Republican donors, um, and especially in Greenville, uh, Bush donors I should say, because uh, you've got different bands of uh, of donors like that, and I I, w- I would guess that the the Trump and Cruz people made up the majority of the crowd if you're looking at it just from, you know, the hoi polloi who walked in off the street. Uh, to see it, but it's it's going to be really interesting. I, I I thought Bush would Bush has had a, a huge presence here in, in Columbia, and I've been saying that too since last yeah. fall when we when we started talking about this. And I, I know a couple of people who are in the campaign, and they're they're solidly behind him, and they say no, you know, he's he's the establishment candidate, and I I take him on their face value for that now that Rubio's kind of had his trip up. Um, or his his Rick Perry moment, as we call right. it, with with his uh, New Hampshire uh, performance. Uh, my bigger question, though, is if Bush can get out of here in third, and he makes it to Super Tuesday, how far can Trump go? Because I think if Bush can come out with momentum and and really start coalescing the party, you know, get the Rubios out, get Kasich out, uh, you know, really start talking about Cruz being out. I don't I don't think Cruz is going to drop out anytime soon, but um, I think if you can get it down to Cruz versus Trump and then Bush, you know, that, that sort of threesome there is going to weigh heavily for Bush. Yeah, I would, I would tend to think so. I mean, that's right. The idea is that Bush has the money to go, to go deep. And there was some talk a little bit a while, a while back about, well, you know, maybe some people are thinking about defecting and going to Rubio, but then, you know, had it the Rubiotron 3000 malfunction. Um, so, and, and I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, Trump, I don't see how Trump's not in it for the long haul now. Right. I mean, he has the money and I think at this point, like he really wants to be president and thinks he should be president. So I don't know what's going to stop him other than like continual losses, which he's not getting right now because the field is still too large. Right. Um, right, so I right. guess after South Carolina and Nevada, then maybe we see another joining of the field. I mean, it's what it's really what the RNC needs, right? It's what the Republicans need um, if they want to coalesce around another non-Cruz, non-Trump candidate. Well, and, and the problem for Bush or whoever the, the establishment candidate is, uh, is that after Super Tuesday, we start getting more into the states where it's winner take all. Right. You know, so you can t- 
take the Clinton strategy from 08 and from this year and try to play to the delegates. And, you know, well, if we lose Nevada, it's not that big of a deal. Well, we lost New Hampshire by, you know, what was it? 28 points, but it wasn't that big of a deal. And it wasn't. She walked away they come out the with the same number of delegates. She one more, I think. Yeah. Or, yeah. All right. So there's this great Republican or um, not Republican, uh, conservative meme I've been seeing on Facebook from some of my friends there. And it's got a picture of Bernie and it's got the little, the meme uh, uh, yeah. font. And it says, you know, uh, uh, wins New Hampshire doesn't get, or, uh, you know, delegates that that he should have won get unfairly distributed or you know, something yeah. like that. All right. Um, very Christian. Uh, so I, I think that's going to help. I mean, if Bernie's still in it, which I think he's pretty much toast at this point. But, um, you know, if he can stick around and get to those winner take all states, settle, make him look a little better if something, you know, does implode in the in the Clinton campaign. But but certainly for for Bush versus uh, Trump, I, I think those winner-take-all states are going to be where Trump is going to really focus and and double down on his message. Um, some some interesting facts came out today uh, from the was it public policy polling? Yeah, PPP. polling PPP um, out of Raleigh, and they asked six hundred uh, South Carolinians who call themselves Republicans. It was about fifty-fifty split between male and female. I'm not sure of the demographic split on race, but I'm guessing it was majority white. Uh, the results from that are really astounding in some ways when you look at uh, things like favorability rating and how high Cruz's unfavorability rating is uh, compared to even someone like Trump um, or uh, the number of people who think that the white race is a, a su superior race. <laughs> or uh, yeah. whether we should ban mosques in, in the United States or the type of barbecue that, that people prefer, whether it's vinegar or mustard based or tomato based. So those are, did, did you see the, the PDF I sent over? Yeah. Yeah. Really great. Um, a, a good Carolina. Like I, I like that they got like the barbecue question in there and things like that. I mean, a good, you know, good Carolina based polling. Yeah, and I think that's what. So we we've gone from Iowa to New Hampshire now to South Carolina, and I mean Nevada is important, but it's a caucus, and it's you know it's never right. been a, a premier uh, thing. And South Carolina is always seen as I hate the the term firewall, but it's it's right. even when two thousand four when we first started, well two thousand actually McCain Bush, which was one of the first years where the South Carolina primary really meant something, uh, and McCain was going to take this thing and do really well with it. And he had all these great parties. And I remember I was in college at the time and, and, you know, he would have the, the cool new local band and a couple of kegs and you can go and, and listen. And it was, you know, McCain 2000, <laughs> all of us college kids are like, yeah, McCain, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, it didn't work out so well for a couple of reasons, but it, it put South Carolina in the national spotlight there. And people who were outside of South Carolina have never really understood South Carolina for you know, not just politics, but the history and everything else, you know, how, uh, the slavery thing, the civil war. I mean, you know, we, it's a, it's a, per, a peculiar little, um, pernicious state, yeah. you know, and, and having lived in North Carolina for a little bit up in Asheville, which is a liberal oasis on the East coast, uh, people would say, well, where are you from? And I would say, oh, South Carolina. Okay. What, what part? And I'm like, oh, it's Spartanburg. They're like, where's that? Like it's an hour away, right. <laughs> it's right there on the map. But there's this huge divide between North and South Carolina, which yes. we could talk about 
But yeah, the, the barbecue question, I think it's the key to all of this. So when people ask me, why South Carolina is so different than New Hampshire or the Iowa primary, it all comes down to this barbecue question. All right. So question 29 on the PDF, and you can see it if you want. Uh, it's linked in the show notes. Do you prefer mustard, tomato, or vinegar-based barbecue sauce? And this is in the, like, this is question 29. Question 28 is, in general, do you think that whites are a superior race or not? <laughs> I mean, what and else it, are you going to fill up a white, or fill, you know, follow up a white supremacy question with? Well, 10% think whites are a superior race and 11% aren't sure. So that doesn't say a whole lot about South Carolina Republicans. Uh, question 30, would you describe yourself as very liberal, somewhat liberal, moderate, or somewhat conservative, or very conservative? And it goes back into politics stuff. But just for this one minute, after the craziness of, you know, do you like the KKK or do you really like the KKK? We get, what, kind of, what kind of barbecue sauce do you like? Uh, so 26% of people said mustard-based barbecue sauce. Uh, 31% said tomato-based. Uh, 26% said vinegar based and 17% said not sure. I, how do you I don't know who's not sure. Like I mean, who this is a, South Carolina this is a who's religion. not sure what kind of barbecue sauce they like. Yeah. And I think James Carville talked about this. Um, I remember him or, or who was the guy who wrote uh, primary colors. Remember that book? Uh, book about Clinton's campaign in 1992. Anyway, it was a great book, but I think they go into the barbecue equation of South Carolina and just to give you a, a very, very brief but important distinction, vinegar-based barbecue sauce is mostly like the lower state. So if you look at South Carolina and you split it into kind of almost vertical thirds, you get the PD and like Charleston, Beaufort, that area uh, on the coast. Right, and some call it like low country. Low country, lower state, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm from the PD. I'm from the little part that's up in the corner sort of opposite of where like Buford is in Charleston. All right. So that's, that's one half. And we typically go for vinegar. You will see some mustard base, especially at the touristy places. But for the most part, uh, you take your pulled pork and you pour on some hot vinegar with hot sauce kind of mixed in. And, and that's how you eat your barbecue on Sunday morning after church. Uh, mustard based is very popular here in the Midlands. So this is yes. Richland County, right? Yes. Lexington County, uh, down into Orangeburg, uh, up into places like York and uh, um, almost said Lancaster. It is Lancaster. Almost said Lancaster, like Pennsylvania, Lancaster, South Carolina, Rock Hill, you know, kind of that Charlotte area down. So that's the mustard based side. And with mustard based, you don't pour the stuff yourself. Typically, it's already mixed in. Right. So if you've ever been to Columbia, South Carolina, you might know Maurice's barbecue, but they still fly the Confederate flag, I think. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the piggy park, as we call it. Uh, Mixed in mustard barbecue. And then tomato base is everything kind of in the upstate. So if you're looking at a map and you see Newberry, basically everything up towards Gaffney. Greenville. Gaffney, Greenville, Spartanburg. Yeah. yeah, where Frank Underwood in House of Cards is from Gaffney, right? Right, right exactly. Yeah. So he's kind of your, he's based on Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham's also from the Greenville area. Uh, you got that sort of upstate Republican. Uh, so those are the three different regions, and they are very, very, very peculiar about their different types of barbecue sauce. Um, so here in, in the Midlands, in Richland County, we do have a mix of Republican and Democrats, typically because of our African-American population and what's, what we call Richland County, where Columbia is. It, it goes Democrat or Democratic. Uh, but down the street in Lexington County, you get the the home of Joe Wilson who lied at the, you know, right. you lie in <laughs> uh, Lexington County, right? Still the most Republican County in the country. 
Yes. And as, as I've said before, uh, where for you some live, reason, that's where I used to live too. <laughs> yeah, Joe Wilson is my representative, even though I he was, live, yeah, he was my rep too. When I was yeah. And I live in Richland County and I'm on the other side of Richland County from Lexington, but because of gerrymandering, uh, we've got a little white neighborhood here and it's, it, the line literally sneaks around and it grabs a little white neighborhood and sucks us back in, into Lexington because there's, uh, and I'm not saying white black, but you know, pretty much in Columbia, things are, are right. not as, as racially harmonious as we like to, to have them. Although in, actually in my little neighborhood, yeah, we're about half and half, which is kind of cool anyway. So, um, when you, when you think about the politics of South Carolina, you have to keep the, the barbecue equation as a part of that. So the lower state tends to be Democrat. The middle tends to be mixed. Upper state tends to be Republican. Uh, so if it's raining or if it's cold in one part of the state or if, uh, you know, something's going on on, on election day, it can really right. play with the politics here. Right. So. That was a long, stupid exposition, but no, that was that was fantastic. <laughs> that was fantastic. I mean, this is I think this is right. I mean, you're explaining South Carolina politics by their by their um, barbecue sauce preferences. I'm from North Carolina to live in South Carolina for a little while. In North Carolina, there are two types. You don't have mustard based barbecue. You only have vinegar and tomato based. And it's generally split east west, not kind of uh, north south like in South Carolina. So in the kind of um, Piedmont over to. The Western North Carolina, it's uh, typically tomato based, and then Eastern North Carolina uh, is typically uh, vinegar based. Um, and, and we I'm, should explain, yeah, when we say barbecue, we don't mean like your California variety of, of barbecue, you know, that you might get at at Claremont or somewhere, you, yeah. <laughs> right? You're not you're not taking a, like a hamburger and putting it on a grill. We mean like you got a pig and you you cook the pig overnight, you smoke the pig, and yeah. Yeah, and then you, you you pull the pork and you get pulled pork, and that's barbecue right. for for South right. Carolina, North Carolina. So so when I go to Texas or something, you're like you want some barbecue, and you right. get a big thing of like brisket. brisket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what the hell yeah. is this? Right, this is not my family's barbecue. But. So yeah, so one other question that that stood out to me in this in this uh, PPP poll uh, when it's broken down based on those who've said that they're evangelical and breaks down all the questions based on that as well. Um, the Civil War support question, right? Are you glad the North won? Do you wish the South had won? Or are you not sure? 29% of evangelicals are glad the North won. Republicans in South Republicans. Carolina, not evangelicals. Right, yeah. sorry. 38% of South Carolina Republican evangelicals wish the South had won. And 33% of Republican South Carolina evangelicals are not sure. I mean, that's 70% of Republican South Carolina evangelicals that either wish the South had won or like, eh, I'm not really sure if it was a good thing that the North won. Yeah, we, and we wouldn't have evangelical religion in the United States if that's kind of the funny thing about it. No, that's, I mean, that's not the only funny thing about it. Just right. the, yeah. Just let that, just let that sit. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, we've linked to it. You can look at all, you can scroll through and look at all the data. Uh, if you want to, but interesting uh, numbers coming out of um, out of South Carolina there. And I think it's good to have PPP doing this poll. I mean, there's a lot of really good polling firms. I think PPP, like so they're based out of Raleigh in North Carolina. They've been doing a good job the past few years, past couple cycles, um, kind of, you know, make, you know, making a name for themselves in the polling world. And they, you know, maybe tend to lean liberal a little bit, but um, 
it's nice to see people that know the Carolinas doing some polling in the Carolinas too. Yeah, you know? right. Forty-seven percent of Republicans in South Carolina support a national database of Muslims. Twenty-five percent say Islam should be illegal. Twenty-three <laughs> percent supported the policy of Japanese internment during World War II. And I, I'm I'm betting that's age based as well. You know. Yeah. I mean, not to be ageist, but I think that has a lot to do with it. 54% support re replanting the Confederate flag on our state grounds that we took down this summer. Uh, I love, I love South Carolina. I really do. It, it is God's country. It's, it's such a weird, stupid place sometimes, but it's got such a unique feel to it. And when you're from South Carolina and you live in Connecticut or you live in North Carolina, uh, you, you feel like a stranger in a strange land, you know, and I really loved being in, in Connecticut and I loved living in, in Asheville. And that was awesome. When I was living in San Diego for two weeks and I was living here for two weeks, I loved my time in San Diego, but there's just something odd about being from here with it, where you can't escape it. You know, and it's, it's like this Faulkner esque, thing you know like the past is never passed <laughs> it's right. it's right there gnawing at you and uh i don't know we got a lot of work to do but uh I, looking at this and then there was another study that came out uh earlier this week no last week about the number of um evangelical white christians in south carolina and how they've actually or that number has decreased by 10 percent um over the last election season since 2007 uh, so that's fascinating. And it's yeah. fascinating to look at the shifting demographics uh, of South Carolina. We, we've got more African-Americans. We've got fewer white evangelicals. We've got about the same number of Hispanics and the number of Catholics in the state has stayed the same. And we've got about a 10% Catholic rate because of places like Charleston and, and Camden, uh, some of these more historic communities in our, in our state. Uh, so you, you think about what South Carolina is going to look like in, in 25, 50 years. And if we're live to listen to this and if we have an MP3 player, I think it's going to be fascinating to, to think back on this conversation uh, because I think this election, this 2016 election is really a, a pivotal moment in our, in our nation's history. Um, not just for the Ted Cruz reasons of wanting to ban, you know, non-gluten or reinstate gluten in our <laughs> soldiers' Army diets, yeah. uh, but, but also to think about these demographics that, are for the first time causing anxiety and causing the results that we're seeing now of, of people feeling like their way of life is changing. And South Carolina is, is a bellwether of that in our country because we're a very traditional state. We don't like things to change. We like things to stay the same. Uh, when we were taking the Confederate flag down this summer after Dylan Roof, I mean, the main argument was, well, it's been there since 60. Like, do we really want to take it down? I mean, it's not hurting anyone. It's just a flag, right? And and those people weren't saying that out of malice. They weren't saying that out of, oh, we you know we got to keep the black people down, and that flag will do that. It was more of a, well, it was there for my grandfather, and you know, God, we got to go, we got to go change everything now because that idiot you know shot up a church, right? Um, which I don't agree with that mindset. Please don't email me. Uh, email Thomas at thinking.fm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I think we're we're seeing that real shift, and it's going to be just fascinating over the next 10, 20 years as we talk about places like Iowa and South Carolina uh, that are being impacted by these demographic changes 
And the people in power are seeing that. And I think the Republican Party is scrambling because the Republican Party knows the Republican Party has to attract Latino voters, just like the Democratic Party does. Um, but only you know Latino voters, but, but voters outside of the traditional voting blocks. So Nixon's Southern strategy worked really well from 1970 until 2016. But I think this might be one of those shifts where we look back and we realize, well, the Southern strategy of, uh, well, now we got to go right is not really going to hold sway as much as it once did. Um, and and I'm, I'm excited about that future because I think it's going to be a good thing for American politics. Whether, whether the two-party system survives this, I don't know. Uh, I think Scalia's uh, seat and, and uh, some of the issues that Trump has raised and some of the issues that Bernie Sanders has raised uh, you know, starting with the Tea Party, starting with the Occupy movement in 2009, 2010. This is, I mean, it's nothing new. It's just we finally have uh, a kind of a vehicle because 2012 was such a, a terrible race. Um, right, so it is, right. There are vehicles for it, and it's and it is starting to um, to expand. I think right these right. sentiments. It, it's right. it's no longer just the you know the Tea Party and the Occupy. Both sides kind of saw them as fringes. I think. And I think it's no longer being seen as a fringe issue. Now, maybe it's maybe both sides have, you know, um, tapered just a little bit into the center. I'm not sure if they actually have. But um, but I, I think that the parties have and this is a, a, a you know thing I've heard a number of people say for a while now and I, for a few weeks at least. And I think they're absolutely right. Uh, both parties have either. I'm not sure if they did it willfully or, or just, you know, out of neglect, um, fundamentally misread large portions of their base for a long time now. Yeah. And, um, and that's coming back to bite both of them, frankly. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right. It for, you know, watching these kind of large, slow changes are harder to pinpoint, but I do think that we are, uh, on the cusp or in the midst of one of those, probably more more uh, likely that we are we are in the midst of of that change and seeing uh, another shift in kind of political demographics, uh, you know, religious political demographics, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I th- and I think keeping that in mind and you know, kind of keeping somewhat of a historical perspective, so that you realize that like our country isn't going to just. I don't know, fall into the sea and everybody's going to die if somebody from the other party's elected. Um, you know, we will go on. It will be crazy. It will be a lot of fun to watch and hopefully we'll survive and somehow be better for it uh, yeah. or at least continue to work toward what we think is better. Right. Um, but no, I, I think you're right that we are, we are in the midst of some really kind of large, slow changes, but large, really meaningful changes. When I think people realize that we're changing. You know, and if, I mean, change is, is part of nature, blah, blah, blah. But I think people in South Carolina that would have resisted right. that and said, no, no, you know, my my party is the party of my grandfather. And this is how we've always voted. And, and this right. is what I believe in. I think people realize that's not necessarily going to be true for the next few decades, at least, as we hammer through this. Um, whether that means we need a third party or a fourth party uh, to represent those people. I mean, I would say the mainstream Republican base does not, 10% don't think that white people are a superior race, you know. But there are people out there who think these things. And as society pushes back against those cultural hegemonic norms, um, 
people are going to want a, a, a channel for that, whether it's the Tea Party or, or Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or the Occupy movement. And uh, the mainstream parties just don't seem like they're equipped at this point to be able to handle that. And I think it's what you said. I think the the trade-off for the, the mainstream parties has been just like the trade-off that universities are seeing or the trade-off that, that large, uh, once successful churches are seeing. Uh, they're not able to suck the money out of their larger donors anymore and say, hey, you know, we're going to go do these things and we need your input and we need your money. Uh, and, and we'll placate, you know, the crazies on the fringes. Um, but you know, we, we need your money from Exxon corporation or we need your money from Acme corporation, uh, or, or from, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates or, you know, Warren Buffett, whoever. And that's what has supported this system for the last couple of decades, especially since the uh, Glass-Steagall Act. So now that Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are making a lot of, well, not Donald Trump, but you know, he was talking about his, uh, his, what do you say? People are sending me, you know, little bits of money. They're sending me like $20, $100, you know, just, you know, small money doesn't mean anything, but I, I don't want to send it back because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. I'm like, screw you, Donald Trump. Like $100 means a lot to a lot of South yes. Carolinians. Yes. Um, you know, but Bernie Sanders keeps talking about his $27 average donation thing. And uh, that's a point I would hammer if I were Bernie, because he's tapping into that populist uh, right. reformation idea of, the party is not representing you, but I can, and I can take this message to the party rather than the party telling you, don't worry, you know, this other candidate will, will bring in your views, but we don't really need your money. You know, kind of that Donald Trump <laughs> mindset, I yeah. think. Um, so I, I think as, well, I guess Ted Cruz is a good example. I think more and more people are going to, you know, put their 20 or 30 bucks that they would have put into, uh, you know, Donald Trump or whoever, they're going to put that money into those what were once fringe candidates and give them a, a little bit of legitimacy, at least early on. And that's going to happen more and more. I would love to see a parliamentary system, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. You and me both. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't expect that to happen. That would um, be fun. Wow. Yeah. Talk about messed up. But first we have to do voter reform. And that means, you know, once you're 18, everyone can vote. There's no more of this. You know, automatic voter politics. registration. Yeah, automatic holidays need to be national holidays, or if it's statewide, weeks voting, need to be statewide holidays, right? I mean, and you need to do everything you can to make sure that everyone can vote. I mean, this, I don't know, like it, no more disenfranchisement via media, right? So right. no more. Well, you know, it's seven o'clock, and we predict Donald Trump to be the winner. Um, that's terrible, and and we're disenfranchising people who have to work during the day or have to work at night or you know whatever right. the time period is not let alone people can't get to the polls yeah it just it rings a little hollow when you talk about your love for democracy when you're not doing everything you can to make sure that everybody can vote so um so we're going to be watching south carolina and nevada this weekend we're going to be watching south carolina next weekend as well uh democratic primary coming up on the 27th which by the way happens to be my birthday so if you want to send some love my way uh preferably in the form of uh, unmarked bills. That would be great. Um, you can, <laughs> I'm just, just going to throw it out there, right? You never know if you don't ask. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, for me, Saturday is going to be a big day because it's the first time in South Carolina that we can buy liquor on election day. So Thomas, I will go out and, and buy a nice bottle of, of scotch or something and celebrate your birthday Good. while I go vote. Maybe on the, maybe on the way back from the polling place. We, we finally That's, just passed that law. Right. That's good. Finally getting rid of blue laws. Some of them, I guess. Oh, wait, wait. You can only sell whiskey, vodka, and scotch. 
So, so the whiskey, vodka, and scotch guys have some good <laughs> lobbyists. But the schnapps guys and the bourbon guys, I guess if they're distinguishing whiskey and bourbon, I'm not sure we'd have figured that out. Well, you don't want um, the poor people to be able to buy whiskey, Thomas. You know, so like you, you got to uh, limit their choices. Because democracy. Yeah, ain't democracy grand. <laughs> All right, on that note, um, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, um, if you like what we're what we're doing here, then drop us a line. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas Whitley. You can find Sam at Sam Harrelson. Uh, go and uh, subscribe to us in your favorite podcast delivery device. Uh, rate us on iTunes and other places. That's always appreciated. And tell other people that they should listen to us. Um, and I guess that's oh, it. Go yeah, listen go. to uh, Thinking Out Loud 100, which is going to tape this week. I think they're taping on Friday. Um, that is a that's a big accomplishment. Make to 100 shows. Yeah, so Mariana and Elizabeth are doing that. And if you'd like to, don't tell don't tell them I said this. If you'd like to send in a congratulatory clip, I'm collecting a couple of those from fans of their show. Um, so just a little five ten second, you know, hey, you know, great job, kind of a thing. Send me that on a. You can you can do that on any phone or any device these days. Just make a quick little audio clip, or you can do video if you want to be crazy. But audio is going to play on the show. And uh, send those to me, and I'll I'll make sure they get included into the show. And at Sam Harrelson on Twitter or Sam at Thinking.fm. Great. Uh, and then I guess we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Happy birthday, Thomas. Thanks.